This is a special episode of Fort Meade Declassified with Garrison Commander Colonel Christopher Nyland and Fort Meade Public Affairs Officer Chad Jones. Sir, I think we can just uh, talk. Sure. We, we go through. We, it's odd because, you know, I've been coming in here for, what, 19, well, 23 months now. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, well, we talk, but there's not a lot of conversation. It's usually business. <laughs> Chad, do this. <laughs> we need to do that. So, uh, but I think we can get... We can get through it. I, I mean, consider all of those conversations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very directive in nature. That's I true. Don't think, I don't know. If I'm not. We spent no. a lot of time. We spent a lot of time. Uh, I don't know. You're a good thought partner. We spent a lot of time thinking through how we how we get after things. Yeah. I well, that's. I don't think it's all, all directive. No, <laughs> it's not. It, and, it, and I was thinking, even just walking up here, that it's uh, more conversation than normal and I think even when we got at it yesterday with uh, Fort Meade Alliance doing the Coon Hall walkthrough where you know I took a little exception to saying that you accepted them first but <laughs> I was very quick in wanting to point out you seem to get public affairs from like day one which was I mean in regards to the importance and the value of it and so I mean I guess the one thing I wanted to know just a little where did that come from in your career and and how I mean how does that align into your thinking why is communication so important well you know I, I've I've said before I can't I can't imagine a better place to spend time prior to coming into Garrison Command than than in the job that I was serving in previously you know working in the Office of the Secretary of Defense for Manpower and Reserve Affairs, so many of the policies that were responsible for that, that that shop was responsible for, you see the direct application right here in the garrison. I mean, I know you and probably the CYS team probably got tired of me talking about the policies that we were working on up there that we were seeing implementation on down here. I mean, I worked on the SecDef's policy for child care prioritization, and then when I show up down here, that's when they, right. they implemented it. Um, but also at that time, I got to work with just an amazing leader, Miss Virginia Penrod, who was, the, uh, who was the Assistant Secretary of Defense at the time. And uh, she taught me so much just from watching her and observing her. Um, she taught me so much about, you know, kind of executive level leadership, how to, how to be inclusive as you're coming up with ideas and plans and, and trying to figure out ways to move forward. But really, when you go back to it, you know, from day one in the Army, you know, they've been, I've been, been trained to be a leader, right? Right. Well, you know, you cannot be a good leader without being a good communicator. Right. And, uh, and understanding the importance of, of communicating. And, and that's been something I've tried to t take with me throughout my entire career. You know, it's the importance of everyone understanding the why um, right. to help. You, you know, it's, we, uh, we talk about, you know, task and purpose, you know, Simon Sinek, start with why. But it's just people under, you know, the team understanding the purpose behind what we're doing, the why behind what we're doing it's so much more powerful than just go do this. Right. Um, Always. You know, you get so much more out of it. So. And it's good. I mean, I know good for us and just hearing that as staff, that it makes it a lot easier to go out and execute or pushing things down. So 23 months here, you obviously took a lot from your other assignments. We'll get into, I'm sure, some of the things that you're most proud of that you've done here. But off that tone, what... What are some things that you think that you've learned here that you will take moving forward? Because, I mean, you're a pretty studious guy. <laughs> so I'm assuming there's going to be some lessons learned that you've, you're going to pull from here that you think is going to help you moving forward. Yeah, so the one of the biggest ones, and, and I, I kind of backed into this one or maybe relearned it here, but was the, uh, you know, my first 90 days, I spent a lot of time trying to fix problems you know people would bring me a problem okay we're gonna fix this problem people would bring you know and you know as a as the garrison commander just about every engagement you have with anyone outside the garrison team someone's bringing something to you that they want you to fix whether it's a hey we need a we need an animal crossing sign because the the gophers are getting hit you know as they're trying to cross the street or whatever um that's one of my favorite ones by yeah. the way <laughs> um but 
but after about 90 days, as, as we were working through trying to fix some problems, what I realized was what was needed at my level wasn't to fix these specific problems, but to, but to look into the processes and procedures that caused the problem. You know, mm-hmm. right. one, of my, one, of my, one of my favorite examples of this is I was walking down the road one day and uh, the grass was neatly cut on one side of the road, the grass was neatly cut on the other side of the road, but there was a little um, uh, cement island in the middle of the road marking off a turn lane and there was a four foot tall weed growing out of a crack in that turn lane. And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, it's too easy to go pull the weed, too easy to tell someone to, to go, go look at all the concrete islands and, and, and cut it down. But I'm sitting there contemplating this weed going, why did this, you know, all the, all, all the landscaping was done so well on both sides. Why is this one weed growing like this? And it, and it got me thinking, it got me down the road of, it was a seam in contractual responsibilities, you know, and we contract mm. out different companies to do different things for us, but that that one specific area hadn't been addressed in the contract, and so we had to go back, and, and so that was the root cause. Too easy to pull the weed, but going back and fixing the contract to make sure that's, that stuff was covered um, was, you know, it's, it's so you, you fix the processes and the systems that cause the problems versus, right. versus the problems. And um, so that, that's probably one of the biggest ones. And, and then the second one that's very close to it is, you know, we, we've got the whole process of how we do um, requirements and then authorizations for manning. And then, and then we do, you know, the studies to make sure that we've got the right amount of people for that. But what I noticed con- consistently across the board was that requirements would continue to grow. And oftentimes, we weren't going back and reanalyzing and doing the, doing the higher level analysis of, okay, with these additional requirements, do we still have the right number of people to do the work? Right. And you see that all across. Which is normally no. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it's the nature of it's the nature of some of the work is that, you know, the workforce studies take so long, you know, by the time, you know, the requirements have grown just from the time that you've, you know, you've done right. the study till the time that the results of the study are published or then that. But but as a but as a more senior leader, what it, what it really drives uh, some thinking on my part is, is anytime you're going to levy one of those offhand requirements, you know, how much time and effort is this going to take? How much time of effort is this going to take on top of the work that those people are already doing? And is this, you know, is it too much? So I took a couple of notes during your answer. <laughs> now, I'm guessing you didn't have a ton of experience with contracting, but you probably knew at some point that you that, that was going to be part of the job. When you came here, did you have any idea that you would have to deal so much with vermin, whether it was ducks <laughs> or geese, groundhogs, just things that, you know? No, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of surprising. I, um, I don't think there's really anything that can prepare a you know, an army leader for garrison command. I mean, the IMCOM does a great job with a little two-week pre-command course, but, you know, it, it's really hitting a lot of the wave tops. And, uh, and especially, you know, having not been a homeowner, having, you know, having moved around every few years for the last 20-plus years, you know, just coming into the, the job and understanding, hey, you're kind of responsible for everything that happens, you know, right. everything that's going on from fence line to fence line. And so things like So when like you saw co- that weed, was that <laughs> yeah. like, that's my freaking weed? Yeah, that- yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I, 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 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I tell people all the time, you know, it's, um, I, I always describe, I, I describe Garrison Command as it's about, it's about, you know, 40% being a, a mayor. It's about 40% being uh, a city manager. It's about 20% kind of being the post dad, you, you know, right. I mean, you're like, how come the lights are on over there? Turn those lights off. Where's, where's the air conditioning? You know, get the. You know. I brought that up to uh, Jeff uh, yesterday. I'm like, you know, I was walking back from red, white, and blue at like 9 30, 10 o'clock after the fireworks, and the lights were on in Coon Hall. He's like, no, they weren't. I said, no, they weren't. <laughs> and it's like, never. I'm like, I don't want to be in the lights, but that's it. The boss absolutely cares. So why were the lights off? Well, I get the electric bill every, every month, and I'm telling you, it's not small. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yes. So you mentioned 
you mentioned the you know the problem solving. What are some of the problems that, you know, obviously COVID and housing are the reoccurring problems. But what are some of the issues that you were that you're most happy about fixing? Yeah, you know, I, I think from a from a systems and processes perspective, the the organization where I've invested the most time and I think we've seen the most development in was, was really down is the amount of time I spent with DPW. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I, I'm a, I think, you know, I'm an infantryman in my trade and I came into the, I came into Garrison Command and, and while I knew it wasn't going to be a brigade, you know, I, I kind of had that mindset in the back of my head. So I thought I'd be spending most of my time with the operation shop, you right. know, Dipmas, the do, and I very quickly realized, no, the center of gravity of the garrison is really uh, DPW. And when I first got here, you know, we we um, we weren't able to spend as much of our SRM money fixing things that needed to be fixed because we were spending because what we figured out was we were spending a lot of money making up for issues that we'd identified, you know, in previous years' right. projects and stuff like that. So we went in, I mean, we completely revamped how we allocate SRM dollars. We completely that, revamped. That's sustainment. I'm sorry, yeah, the sustainment My Public money. affairs yeah. training no, is no, not taking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> no acronyms. Um, but, but, you know, we completely revamped how we, how we did that, and, and we really focused on, and so the first year we were able to more evenly distribute the money where where it needed to be spent, where we had needs and requirements. And the second year, when we were able to make some real impacts on uh, on making sure that we weren't having to spend the money on other requirements, and we were able to really kind of do the the regular maintenance that was necessary. And that and that and, and that manifests itself in in simple things like the million and a half dollars we were able to dedicate. Uh, this year for, um, you know, uh, repaving, striping, the signage. improvements on the, on the MAPES tracks, the signage, the crosswalks, um, all those things that will be coming to fruition over, over the rest of the summer. You know, I mean, I mean you know how, how challenging it is to figure out whether you're even in the right, whether you're even in a parking spot when you pull into the PX. Well, the entire PX parking right. lot getting, is getting restriped this year. And that's just a very... Those are some very simple examples, but those are meaningful examples for the people that are uh, operating around the installation on on a day-to-day basis. We were three months into COVID when I showed up, Um, and so that was a that was a pretty challenging time for everyone. And while while I was still coming into the office, you know, we were we were dealing with a lot of challenges, and uh, you know, and the garrison team really, I mean, you know, there's there's things that I might be proud of uh, personally, but the but probably the thing that I'm most proud of the organizationally is the way that the team um, handled and persevered throughout the pandemic. I mean, that just, you know, there's one, you know, the one stat that I throw out there quite a bit that I think, um, you know, I, I may talk about it so much that people undervalue it, but, you know, of all the, co- of all the COVID cases that the 63,000 people that live or work here had to deal with during the pandemic, less than 5% of them came from workplace transmission. Right. So, I mean, if you think about all the potential COVID cases, all the potential customer interactions, all the potential workplace interactions, all those things that occurred, the mitigation measures that, that were put in place, the the workforces adherence to the mitigation measures, the leaders, you know, discipline and enforcing those mitigation measures, they all paid off. You know, people were getting COVID from, you know, their kids bringing it home from school or from being out in the grocery store or doing some of those other things that they were, that were part of their normal lives. But what you weren't finding was you weren't finding, you know, people passing around the office. You yeah. Know, it was very unusual. Um, and so I'm so proud of the team that, that helped make that happen and then also continued without interruption, continued delivering those garrison, those, those base operations uh, services, those um, those base op services. I mean, you just look at you look at the amazing work of just simply the ID card office. You know? Right. I mean, it's such a critical function. Can't do that by telework. Not only did they keep those those services running, but they actually are produ- were producing more ID cards during the pandemic than they were prior to the wow. pandemic. Right. It's just. I mean, and, and you and, and that happened all you know all across the garrison. Um, 
I mean, the CYS team in, in keeping the CDCs operating throughout the throughout the pandemic. You know yeah. how much work that took, and how amazing, how adaptable that team was. I mean, I just so proud of this team. So yeah, proud that, of that team. So COVID impacted you as a, I mean, as a person, I think it's impacted everybody. But as a leader, so like red, white, and blue. <laughs> was that a You've mentioned yourself as a COVID commander. Was that decision influenced at all by what you had dealt with through COVID before? I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was, you know, we've we've executed two red, white, and blue days since I've been here. And uh, the one right before I took command, we had to cancel because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, things were looking pretty good. Things were, we were, we were starting to come out of the initial pain on the second one and we're like okay we want to do something for the community um obviously we couldn't do the full-blown thing um so we're like we're gonna we're gonna make fireworks happen you know it's just a little bit of a celebration uh last summer for 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 getting for making it through what we'd already made it through and then i was so excited going into this summer that we were going to bring back the full thing up um, until like may yeah it was oh even i didn't we didn't make the final decision until uh june uh 17th i mean we were we had we had all the food vendors we had two bands lined up for the concerts we had all the carnival rides and bounce houses and everything everything was coming and uh and then june 17th i had to make a decision uh, because that was when we started having to put money right. down on contracts and, and and about that time, um, the COVID numbers were spiking again. Uh, we were we were within days of going back into HP Con Charlie. Right. Um, it was looking really ugly, and they're looking at me. Uh, you know, Joe Pottles comes in. And he's like, "Hey, boss, what do you want to do about Red, White, and Blue Days? We've got to. We're at the point where we've got to commit money." And uh, and it, it absolutely broke my heart. It absolutely broke my heart to go back down to uh, to fireworks only. Uh, because I know how big of a deal that yeah. is for the for the community for for everyone, um, but at the time that the decision had to be made, you know, it was I think it, I still think it was the right decision. So, when they talk about this position and when people come in, you take Garrison command. It is meant to be, or at least part of the reason, at least when it came out to be, was like more of a relaxing, at least stable command. You knew where you were going to be for the next two years. <laughs> Did you find that to be true? I will tell you, throughout my military career, um, I had a vague idea of what the garrison commander did, what they dealt with. But really, the biggest thing I knew about the garrison commander was man, I'm glad I don't have that guy's job. <laughs> right. And, and while, yes, I mean, I wasn't worried about deployments. I, w- I didn't have to go on very many TDYs. I was, you know, I was home most nights and, and you know, my, my five-minute commute to, to my house right across the street here was very, was very enjoyable. The, the breadth of challenges that that a garrison deals with on a day-to-day basis just still astounds me i mean i i used to describe uh, my first few months in the job i would describe kind of this this whiplash as you're going from you know child care to fire and police services to maintenance and construction to retirement services and id card production to casualty assistance and funeral affairs and all these things um, that the garrison is responsible for, that we've got incredibly um, dedicated employees doing day in and day out, but none of them touch each other. <laughs> no, right. You know, it's not like you can take lessons from one and go to the, and go apply them to the next one. And so, that was, I mean, hands down, um, one of the most um, challenging um, jobs I've ever had. Um, you know, I, I just. Um, the the breadth of learning that I mean right. it, still I mean I, still today after 23 months still today I'm still learning new things about the garrison or what garrison what the our, the uh, the garrison team does on a day to day basis or how they do their jobs or I mean it's just just so much yeah. uh, taken it's just kind of amazing. Yesterday at command and staff. You got as close to upset as you've gotten. 
And it, I mean, you've gotten upset at a few things, but you've never gotten mad. Yesterday, it sounded. It was one of those where you could hear the nose breathe. I could almost <laughs> see you take your glasses off, and like, okay, answer the question. <laughs> you know. So how is that something where you just go back? I mean, where do you get to vent? Because <laughs> you haven't really been at like. I mean. I've been, you know, 23 months, and there hasn't been a very much taken to heart the, hey, you know, the Saving Private Ryan. I bring my problems up. You know, I'll tell you what you're doing wrong, but I'm not going to – I haven't seen you, like, just lambaste. So where do you get to vent? Well, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I've got an incredible loving and supporting wife, and she's she's always there for me. She's got a pretty big job, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, she does. And uh, and so we – um, as much as possible, we try to be there for each other. <laughs> yeah. You ever try to one up each other? Like who's got the biggest <laughs> nonsense headache? To... Um, I, 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 our problem sets are different enough yeah. that I've got. It, we always say is I've got the some of the silliest ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, would you believe this is a problem? Yeah. Where she's got some of the most head scratching ones. Like, man, I can't. You know, I can't believe that. I. Yeah. I can't even I can't even talk about some of her, right. the problems because of her organization. But um, but you know, other you know I will tell you the the um, you know the other thing is is we've got a great supportive team here in the military district of Washington. Um, you know our, the senior commander, he's got a lot of different hats that he wears, and he stays stays very busy. You know protecting the Capitol. He stays very busy uh, supporting the, the, the president and, and, the, and the secretary of defense for all the ceremonial duties and everything else. But he, he, do, he, he absolutely does care and, and is involved in helping us solve issues and, and, is, uh, and, is, and is willing to listen to me on occasion uh, as, I, uh, as, I, as I vent some of the frustrations that we may be facing. Um, but, but, but just as similarly, the, um, the uh, IDS, the uh, the installation directorate support, yep. uh, Mr. Tyndall and his team and MCOM um, are, are really supportive also. And I'll tell you, I'm super excited about the new MCOM commanding general, uh, Lieutenant General Jones. Um, you know, he used to be, do you remember, he used to be oh, yeah. our senior commander here Absolutely. in MBW. I, incredible. He's a big fan of declassified. He is. It's... He is. Um, he used to listen to it every, you know, he lives, uh, he, you know, his home is, uh, is right here in Maryland. And he used to, I was listening yeah. to it driving home. I got to tell you, I, I don't know how many people got the opportunity to watch his kind of his initial town. Well, oh, yeah, first that was town good. Hall. It was pretty neat. I, 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 I started I, great. Well, <laughs> we won't talk. About that. <laughs> yeah. The MCOM PAOT was, yeah. uh, was, was had yeah. a tough day that day, but the, but the one thing that I, I will say that we have as bragging rights is during his entire intro, he only mentioned one garrison during his entire That's intro, right. and he actually mentioned it two or three times where he yep. said, "Fort Meade is his is his home, is his home garrison." So uh, yeah, so I, I think we'll we'll I think we'll always have a special place in his heart. Um, but he, you know, it just his approach um, to people, to leadership, and problem solving, I think is uh, is going to really help. Uh, MCOM continue to to be a major player in uh, in helping um, in helping the the whole army um, improve its home. You know, right? Uh, how how has the community helped in you know making your tour here more successful and getting after some of the? I think where you've leveraged it is how you've been able to leverage your community to do actual army priority spousal employment, workforce development resiliency um how how are you able to do that and how how do you think that can be replicated or continued well you know i i will you know that's i've said it before you know my number one biggest surprise coming into this job um, based on my previous experiences in the army was how supportive the central maryland community is to fort Meade, the mission the service members the workforce here um, and, it, and it's just a, it's just an incredible team. I mean, everything from the Central Maryland Chamber of Commerce, the Fort Meade Alliance, the Maryland Military Installations um, Council. I mean, it's just and the whole community covenant. I mean, it's just such an incredible um, team that is all interested in in uh, in making 
Fort Meade and this area a great place to be a service member, a great place to live, and a great place to work. And uh, um, you know the. You know, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn some of this light over onto you, to be honest, Chad, because um, you know the work of your team, you know, you and Mary and the entire uh, PAO team, you've been investing in those relationships for, you know, well over you know, at least a decade or yeah. longer, um, and uh, and 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 you just I mean, it pays off, you know, um, the between. Everything from the IGSAs we signed with Howard County, the, the, the agreement that we came to between Howard County and Anne Arundel for workforce development to help with spouse employment, the, the, the Department of the Army um, partnership awards that, that yeah. Fort Meade and in the, in the Central Maryland uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, earned. I mean, it's just, it's just been amazing. And, and I'm, I'm always a little bit humbled by the outpouring of support. Um, that being said, uh, you know, the, the great part about it is, is um, because it's a partnership, because, it's, because we are part of a community, we listen to each other and we try to, um, and, and through that process, I'm able to help kind of, and I think whoever sits in this chair can kind of help point them or orient them on some of the, on some of the challenges that are upcoming, you know. You were very happy when you heard Governor Hogan put a lot of money towards child care and child care providers, and you could see the connection. And so how gratifying is it for you as a leader, and whether it's big community initiatives like that or things here on post getting signs up to where seeing things done and seeing, you know, your effort actually going to lead into tangible results? Yeah, you know, it is one. It's incredibly gratifying. Um, you know, I'll tell you, there's a there's a couple of dynamics at play there. So one of the one of the things that I had to learn in this job, you know, as an army leader, I'm used to, okay, we're gonna we're gonna solve this problem. We're gonna we're gonna move some. We're gonna move from here to there. So we're gonna come up with a plan. The plan's gonna run fairly linear. We're gonna have some contingencies, maybe some branch plans. Um, we're gonna get everyone in line. We're gonna brief the plan. We're gonna start executing. We're gonna track towards you know track towards success, um, and that's the way you solve problems in the military, right? Right. As a member of a community, <laughs> a lot of times you don't solve problems that way. You you talk about them. You know, you, you know, and, and often negotiate. Yeah. Well, there's negotiation that goes on. A lot of times it's, you know, it's not even the fact that I talk to you about it, but, you know, you talk to someone else and that person talked to a third person about it. And that planted an idea that became part of someone else's, you know, I, um, and so, you know, just like we talked about, sometimes it can be very hard to trace, you know, the, the, the line of causation, um, but but understanding that that's how things get done is you know some people will say in politics I'll say I'll, I'll say that's how things get done in communities, um, so that was something I absolutely had to learn. And then the and then the other thing that's uh, <clears throat> that can be very different for for uh, for an army leader is so much of the work that you put into um, doing things here um, is such long term work. Right. You know, um, where you may have only touched it, you may have been there at its at its uh, birth, or you may have touched it in the middle, or if you're really lucky, um, you get to be there as something comes into right. fruition. And but but you always have that realization that um, this was this was a team effort that spanned multiple, you know, commanders yeah. in order to bring it to. I mean, you, yeah. you talk about, you know, just the Coon Hall, and I know we're planning that that ribbon cutting. You know, there's five garrison commanders are yeah. going to be back on the post because they were all too. part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah absolutely. Um, so it's not lost on me, you know, when I when I'm like when we went out there and cut the cut the ribbon to reopen. Um, oh, I always screw up their numbers. CDC two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not lost on me the amount of work that went into that before I even joined the garrison team. Right. You know, um, and I really am excited for for uh, for Colonel Sapp for some of the things that he's going to be able some some of the ribbon cuttings or groundbreakings that he's going to be able to uh, to take part of here that, that 
you know, that I, that I got to contribute to and get and advance the ball for. What is the one problem that you've had to solve that you're like, man, that was passed to you from a garrison commander that you're like, man, I wish I, I really shouldn't have had to deal with this. What is the one issue that you know that you're passing on to Colonel Sapp that, man, I wish I could have gotten a little bit farther down the road on this? And then what is the one thing that you know Colonel Sapp's really lucky that you took care for? Wow. That wasn't any you, you gave no, me, you gave I, me some things to prep. That wasn't any of the prep stuff. That's that, that's one of those questions that requires some thought. You can yell at me later. <laughs> I mean, you still got like three weeks. It just, I mean it just came up here now. So it's, yeah, and we can always edit. <laughs> Trying to think. Um, I, I I will never. You know I I don't know. I, I will never forget the uh, as I was doing my um, my. Uh, transition with uh with colonel sprague we were in we were in some uh, setting um with mr tyndall who's the id director our imcom boss and he uh and he asked colonel sprague he's like now eric i just want to make sure before you get out of there you've gotten you know you will have gotten rid of that log cabin right (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and he's like oh yeah roger sir we got that i'll take care of and yeah, it, it no, still not taken. take care. Of, yeah, it's still not done. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, incredibly historic, very, very, uh, very important, and very neat history behind that. And with a very passionate constituency um, about about properly honoring that that legacy. But it was just the way the way with, that it was gone about was just we weren't able right. to get it, to get it there, and so. I don't know if we're going to be able to put that to complete bed before I leave. I don't think so, but we are very, very close um, to being able to return the log cabin. To, we, we've cleared all the all the hurdles, and we're going to be able to return the log cabin to the constituency that that really cares about it, um, and, and let them move forward with it. But but that 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 almost kind of answers the first two questions because right. there's something that was left to me, and I, I think I'm going to leave it to, to to Colonel Sapp, but he's going to have an opportunity. But he should be able to close that one out uh, very very quickly. I, I think you know, and, and not to be a to be a broken record, but one of the things that I am super excited for Colonel Sapp that I think we've done to really set him up is is the work that we've done um, with the systems and processes processes in DPW so not only on how we work with the maintenance budget but all the great work that's been that's gone on down in real property to accurately account for all of our buildings and uh, and uh, I think are gonna we're gonna see impacts I think our our SRM our maintenance budget is gonna go up and I think we've cleared a lot of uh, of back work uh, work that should have been done previously but we didn't get to so he's going to be able to really move forward with that with that program and it's going to be able and you're going to start seeing uh, some major differences around here the other thing i'm really excited for and this this also falls on in, in the dpw realm but the team down there just did an incredible amount of great work on the installation energy and water plan and um, and so right now it's a plan yeah. And, you know, the values of a plan often is in the planning, but um, his, you know, him being able to take that into the next steps and really operationalize that plan and start making some of those adjustments. Now, you know, we've got a great, we've got a great water and electrical infrastructure here on Fort Meade. I mean, I was just reading an article about that storm last night where yeah. over 155,000 people in the D.C. Yeah, area are Mike. still out of power. Right. He's out of power. Lights didn't even flicker here last night. Oh, because of the underground yeah yeah um, but the but really being able to build in that next layer of resiliency and, and setting things up for the future of the installation uh, that's what the installation energy and water plan is all about and, um, and the team did a great job putting that together I'm super proud of that work that they did okay so July 27th it's like the shortest tenure like everybody else has gotten at least two years but how did yours get moved up a little bit yeah, so it's um, I'm coming out about a month earlier than, than normally yep. planned. So a large part of that was driven by when they wanted me to report to my next job. So they had a vote. 
you know, Carl Sapp's availability voted yeah. on there. And so it was really kind of a, I, I described it as a, as a four-way negotiation between, you know, Colonel Sapp and his last command, my gaining command, military district of Washington and the, uh, and the, uh, and IMCOM. And we, we finally kind of negotiated down to this, this, this date. And that'll give me about a week to move and uh, before I have to start my next job. <laughs> yeah, and that, you know, so as your PAO, I'd say the talking point, if there anybody ever complained about the stuff that doesn't, that didn't get done while you were here, it made me leave early. Yeah, it was that, that last month. I could, I, was, I could have gotten everything done <laughs> yeah, in that last everything month. Everything <laughs> there that could have been done would have been done. So what did you tell, what did you tell Colonel Sapp about Fort Meade? I know you've met, he's had a little bit of a transition. We got to talk to him a little bit. It's having another transition, but when you first, I'm assuming there was a time where you either got to sit him down and tell him about the fort, or that you will. What what is what's that conversation look like? Well, I mean the big, I mean, you know some of my talking points. I mean I think this is this is the biggest small base around. I mean we've got more people packed into such a small area um, uh, doing some of. The most some of doing some of our nation's most critical, sensitive work. So I always talk about you know we're we're the biggest small base you'll you'll ever see. We're the most joint army base <laughs> you'll ever see. We're the you know we I talk about our our place in the state, most built up area outside of the city of Baltimore, Maryland's single largest employer. I just really tried to impart on him the gravitas of the installation to help him understand you know as he moves around in the community and moves around in the department of defense you know people look at him and go he is for Meade," right you know and just understanding what that means and what people you know what people are thinking about because i think you know one of the things that's slightly different being the Fort Meade garrison commander than might be in some of the other garrisons as we talked about you know how many other duties and responsibilities our senior commander has he's a senior commander for four bases he's the joint right. task force national capital region commander he's the army military district of washington commander so he's got a lot of things going on and because of that um the fort meade garrison commander really becomes the face of the installation right much more so than many other garrison commanders um who have a kind of an in-house senior commander does and so you know i I really thought it was important he understands that. Um, advantage or disadvantage? I mean, I think from my foxhole, it, it's an advantage because we get, as long as we keep out of trouble, we tend to get to do, in my, in my yeah. realm, we get to do a lot of stuff that... It's a little bit of both. I mean, just like anything else. I mean, I, I've, you know, in my, um, in my, in my, um, in my career, I've always enjoyed being a little bit further away from the flagpole. Right. You know, I, I, you know, I, I you know, I, I can move out with commander's intent. I understand left and right limits, but you know, it does, it does put a lot of onus. There's a lot of pressure on, on that person who has to be that face. Um, so that's, so that was kind of the first thing I told him. And the second thing I told him is, you know, just such a, a dedicated, caring team in the garrison that really wants to deliver. And, you know, just talking to him about how he can help them and, and you know you you get the team the resources they need you know that whether it's computers or money or, or, or employee or, or teammates and stuff and once they have the resources they need they want to deliver they want right. to pr produce they want to provide and so you just get them the resources get the heck out of their way and let them do what they want to do I and mean, it's just it's, it's an amazing team so talk a little bit about you're leaving so what are you looking forward to in your next job? And then, uh, then I, gotta, I, I have a series of rapid-fire questions I have to ask that dovetail off of that. But it seems like a pretty cool gig you're going to. Yeah, you know, so, so I'm going to be working out at Fort McNair at the National Defense University. Uh, I'm going to be working for the president of the National Defense University down there. And, you know, I, I've jokingly said it. Uh, before, but there, there's a, there's a little bit of truth to it. Is you know, um, in this job, oftentimes you feel like you're trying to keep sixty three thousand people happy, right? 
Um, right. It will be kind of nice going to a job where, where really I got to keep one person happy. Right. <laughs> you know, which is always nice for I mean for staff. We just had to keep you happy. I mean, Ellie, that's the end um, of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, so I am looking forward to that. Um, I will be honest. As much as we've, as much as Christy and I have loved living here on post, and uh, and uh, there's some there's a serenity here. There's a quietness. There's a beauty, especially the spring, summer, fall. This post is absolutely gorgeous. We are looking forward to, to getting back to an area where the where the restaurants stay open past eight right. o'clock, and you can you know, you, okay. you can walk you can walk out uh, to to things. Uh, so there's a you know like most transitions, um, uh, it's a it's a mixed feelings. You know you, you get excited about the future, you get excited about new opportunities, but uh, you definitely uh, are going to miss the people, the area, you know. I'm, it's been weird this last month. I've kind of gotten nostalgic a little bit, and I've as I've as I've contemplated uh, on the last couple years, I, I've just been remembering all the good stuff, you know? right? <laughs> and then occasionally something will happen, and I'll remember, oh yeah, we've been dealing with this for you know. It's like, yep. oh yeah, that's that wasn't much fun, but yeah. So, um, and then you know, and then just really you know the other the other piece with the with the new job is um, you know I thoroughly enjoyed my experience there at the Eisenhower School at the National Defense University and just being able to contribute to the education of the future national security leaders uh, yep. in the nation. I mean, that's just, that'll be, that'll be rewarding, I'm sure. Well, yeah, you're, you're an academic. I mean, you, you, you like to, that, that seems like that'd be in your ballywick. So how many days, how long will some of these issues that you've talked about, that you've worked on, will you carry them with you and, because you're also not a person that seems to be able to just stop caring about something. So will it be a week from when you start your new job where you're going to stop thinking about, or is it as soon as you hand off the cell phone that, hey, I'm done? You know, I, I think I think there's going to be things that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, just, well, when you, when you, when you're in this, when you're in this position and you're responsible for everything, you, you look at things differently. You know, I mean, you know, going back to something as simple as that weed, I, I look at that thing, you know, you look at that differently when you're when you're responsible. And so, you know, even now I find myself when I'm not on the post, if I'm driving down the road somewhere, I'll, I'll see something. and I'll be like, I wonder, I wonder how that got like that. I wonder how that's, right. you know, you, you know, and so there's going to be things like that that I think I'll carry with me forever. Um that way of looking at things, I guess, you know, right. no longer will I pass something on the street and just be like, man, someone should do something about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'll be like, fix it. You can fix it. <laughs> you no, know, it can. but, but more specifically, there are definitely some initiatives here that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to come back in November, the, the ribbon cutting and cutting yep. hall, uh, to see that kind of fruition. I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be interested in, in seeing, um, the work that's going on with the meat cluster schools and meat high, um, you know, I'll probably always, you know, and you know, there, there will, uh, and everything from my, my social media feeds for me to allow us have a place there. And I'll, I'll, I'll definitely always be keeping an eye on what's going on with y'all. And I'm oh, not yeah. going far. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's one of the things with every commander now that I now I get to follow you on Facebook ah, or on yeah. your social media. That's always been like the, so, Mr. Foley, after very you boring. hired him, yeah, he friended me for about six years, and then you hire him back, and then I get a unfriend notice, and I'm like, well, what a jerk. But I'll tell you, my Facebook feed is is pretty darn boring. Um, my, my my wife my wife is the social media portion of the Nyland family, but uh, but uh, I, I I mean I I'm more of a lurker than I am. Yeah, understood. So okay, we've had you here for about. An hour. We'll get you out on a couple of things here, just real quick. Favorite thing you've been able to do off post in Maryland uh, that you've discovered here since since you've lived here. See, you you were gonna, these are supposed to be rapid fire questions, but that takes a long that takes a uh, long that takes that's a longer answer because um, unfortunately with COVID we didn't really get out to explore as much as we really wanted to uh, about Maryland. Um, but I will tell you the favorite thing that we figured that we that we that we did find was um, the week of the Navy Academy's graduation 
they yeah. have the Blue Angels in, and they do multiple kind of shows in yep. Blue Angels. And uh, and Christy found this thing. We've actually paddleboarded out into the into the bay just off the uh, just off yeah. the academy there, and we were able to watch the Blue Angel shows. And they literally were flying right over us For as free, we're right? sitting out there on the paddleboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, old bay or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. Good. Yep. This thing has on here, uh, I'm supposed to ask your favorite sports team. That has not changed. No, no, sorry. Still Saints? Yep, absolutely. Still you, the Saints. How cool was it to throw out a first pitch in a Major League Baseball game? It, it, that was awesome. I never never in my life did I expect to be able to do something like that. It was just, it was incredible. I was actually just talking about that last night with my, uh, I was talking to my dad about it last night. And the best part about it was, is not only did I throw out the game, throw out the first pitch, but the team was so inspired that they actually ended up winning that game. Orioles won that game in 13 innings. It was such They're a great game. They're nine in a row. Yeah. They're 500 latest they've been. That could have been. It, it was know. the spark, right? You it was the know. spark. Yeah. I would take credit for it if I were you. <laughs> um, you speak of your dad. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever sat down to him and like, hey, dad, because you, you know he pops in on every single town hall. Usually with a message, you say something hi to your mom, which sometimes we funnel to you, sometimes we don't, because I get the look on your face sometimes that you're like, eh, he's not in the mood to get a message from, from dad oh, right now. But. I, I love the fact that he heckles me on, uh, on social media. I, I will tell you that, that you know, an interesting thing, so I, I, you know, but um, so my, my dad's a retired NCO, and yeah. – um, he he has this amazing ability to track me down no matter where I'm at. And so, like, I'll, I'll never forget, I, I had just started a brand new job. I was the I was a brigade executive officer for 2nd Armored Brigade there at, uh, at Fort Stewart. And literally my first day in my office, I hadn't, told, I hadn't even told my parents that I got this new job. But the first day in the office, my office phone rings. Yeah. You know, Major Nyland, you know, Second Brigade XO. How can I help you, sir, ma'am? It's my dad. <laughs> Somehow he tracked down that phone number and uh, and called me on it. And so, you know, I, I say that because that was like, he, I mean, that was like magic that he was able to right. do that. I think things have gotten a little easier on him now yeah. with Facebook and social media. But he's always there. I mean, it's always popped up like, hey, Mr. Nyland, how you doing? I mean, it's so, okay. We got your sports here. I mean, I think... Um, you know, sir, I just would say, you know. So you're supposed to ask me that first question. I got a great answer uh -oh, to that first uh -oh. question. Well, you're still the my, boss. My, uh, the, the, no, you, you said right. the favorite place to eat. So. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I got I to be honest. So, you know, so my, my, my garrison commander answer has got to be, well, Thursday night wing nights at Club yeah. Me. Because that's <laughs> Yeah. Dominic no, would they, be mad. They're Dom, good wings. Dom does a great job. And I'll tell you, I absolutely some of my best memories, you know, I've got a lot of great memories of my time here, but some of my best memories were some of the sessions where the, where members of the team, the garrison team yeah. gathered together for wing night on Thursday nights, whether we were doing it at the club or when we're still doing it over at the, uh, at the bowling center. Uh, but that was just great camaraderie, great food. Um, you know, a few adult beverages to help, uh, to help smooth, yeah. smooth some of those tougher days. So, um, but other than that, you know, we, we really, you know, it still baffles me that some people still haven't found this place, but the hideaway is still just this awesome place. And, and the best part about the hideaway, have you been out there? Yeah. Best part about the hideaway is great food, great, great, yep. you know, everything else. But the fence on the back side of the parking lot of the hideaway, the other side of that fence, that's Fort Meade. It is literally right up against wow. the fence of Fort Meade. <laughs> you see, now that is, I did not know it was right. I knew it was closed. Yeah, no, that, that fence, the other side of that fence, that's Fort Meade. Yeah. So you got to, you got to go, you got to get the, uh, you got to get DES to take you on a, uh, on an ATV tour of the perimeter fence. That's one of the things, that, it's one of the bennies of being the, of being the, being the commander. And you just went on one, right? Yeah, I just I took mean, a real sap on one. And so we had to point that out. It's like, hey, <laughs> it's go through the, here. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, Hideaway is pretty good. And there's a lot of, I don't know. I love it because it's not a chain. It's a local yeah. place. Not everyone Parking's finds it. Parking's a pain. Parking is a pain. 
Um, but but it's just it's it's kind of like one of those close held secrets. It's kind of yeah. passed on. Um, you know, uh, yeah. That's okay, you see, that's that's where we're going through. So, well, sir, it's been a pleasure. I always get asked who uh, who's my favorite commander, and my answer is always, well, the one who's in charge is, is my favorite commander. But for I the will, next twenty some days, that's I, it. You're still number one, but I will say it's been an absolute. It's been a pleasure to to be able to to serve as your PAO and like I mean you, you get it you have a you have a, a great mind about this and I think Ray Walker hit it I mean you got through a lot of stuff whether it's because of COVID that made you stay here and get a lot of that stuff done but you know there's been a lot of actions you know workforce development that were a lot of things we've talked about for a long time that you were able to to push through through you know gentle leadership uh, so really appreciate it. You will absolutely leave your mark on the fort and, and your family. So thank you. These microphones that we have here today would have been not been possible without you. So just thank you very much from the staff. You've been, you've been a great boss. Well, thanks, Chad. That's incredibly gracious to you. I, I'm, um, I will tell you, it was, a, it was an absolute pleasure. You know, even on the most challenging days, you know, the, the team here, your team, all all the teams across the garrison, they make they made coming to work every day a, a, an absolute pleasure, and just seeing how much they cared about delivering, you know, and, and taking care of the people on this installation, just is a, absolutely inspirational. So I'm a, uh, you know, I you know I mentioned it before. It's it's gonna it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough to go, but uh, but it's been a, an absolute absolute privilege and honor be part of this team and uh and i tell you i guarantee you i'm taking more away from from uh, our relationship than i possibly could have given so thank thanks so much to all of you thanks for tuning in remember you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram as well as itunes we're also on divotub.net if you search for need to classify 